0: It feels like, to me, like for forever. I, uh, <coughs> we were in Kansas City <coughs> for, um, I don't know what they were for. They were long meetings from 7 in the morning till 10 at night. And they're probably watching right now. So I have to watch what I say. <coughs> but, uh, but I was thinking, and Ruth and I had actually talked about it, that we, we flew to from Halifax to Montreal, Montreal, to New York, New York, to Kansas City. You know, and, I, and every, every time we take a long trip, I think, why do we do that all in one day? You know, we get up at 3 o'clock in the morning get there by 10 o'clock at night, and you're just dragging and in a really good mood when you get there, you know? <laughs> and it really is nice. But I'll tell you, it's sure great to be home because there's no folks like you folks. I'm telling you what, every one of you, we just really love and appreciate you just for who you are. So don't change. Well, you can change a little bit, but not much. (laughs) In the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, let's turn to chapter 5. And uh, we're going to read there a couple of passages of Scripture, a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to start reading at about verse 16. We're going to read down to the end of that chapter. And then we're going to quickly... Turn over, if you'd like, to Romans chapter 1. But we're going to read this first, and then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to kind of switch over a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we're thankful today, uh, Father, for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here in this place, and Father, that we can come and we can worship you and we can wait upon you, Lord, we can know your presence. <clears throat> Our Father, we're thankful, Lord, that that as we do gather together, Lord, that you're here in the midst of us. Lord, there's nothing that we can, we can do to bring you here. <clears throat> Father, you, you have promised that where two or three are gathered together, you are there in the midst of them. And Father, where two or three are gathered together here today, Lord, you are here in this place. <clears throat> And, Father, I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that we would see and know and hear and understand from your spirit. Father, we, word, we use these words of, <clears throat> of your presence, and we use these words of, of your spirit, and we use these words of, of your, your relationship to us as our Father. But, Father, we recognize that you are the sovereign God of all that is. And, Father, even as we talk and speak relationally to you, uh, Father, you know that, Lord, we, we, we acknowledge you in your sovereignty. We acknowledge that you are the king of all that is. And we gather around your throne. And, Father, we are blessed to be here. For, Father, we recognize that, that, that Lord, there is none that's like you. <clears throat> Father, we recognize there is only one God. We recognize, Father, that there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ, your Son, who was made to be sin for us that we might be your righteousness. And, Father, Lord, you you know our hearts, and, Lord, you know our minds today. And, Father, you know that perhaps some are tired, You know, perhaps, Father, some have been struggling throughout the week. Father, you know the joys and the sorrows, the good and the bad, the the great, and, Father, the normal. And, Father, wherever we find ourselves today as we gather into this place, I'm I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name that, that you would get a hold of our hearts and our lives. And you would speak into them. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would lead us according to the leading of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Father, that you would teach us, Lord, according to all that you desire. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that even as we seek after you, that, Father, moment by moment, Lord, we would recognize a a new anointing, a new awakening, a new washing of your presence on our hearts and lives. Father, we submit ourselves to your authority. And Lord, I pray once again today, the same prayer I pray every Sunday, Lord, that you would clothe yourself with this form. You would guide and guard the words of this mouth, that, Father, everything that is done and said, we would know, thus saith the Lord. Father, don't let anything stand in the way of what you desire to do. Don't let anything of darkness, don't let anything of burdens, don't let anything of of the enemy come in to steal your glory. But Father, remove all things from our hearts and our minds and our lives that are not like you. Holy Spirit, come with greater and greater power and glory and strength. And Father, through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, take us out of the the earth-boundedness of life and set us before you in worship. Holy Spirit, I claim that promise today. That promise that Jesus gave, that he would send you and you would speak of those things you hear around the throne. So, Father, today, Lord, I commit this time into your hands. Guide us and lead us, Father, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a glass of water appeared here. <coughs> In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, there's a familiar passage of scripture. I suspect it is familiar to you. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as is it as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. <clears throat> Paul, as he's writing this, you know, he's writing, of course, this says to the Romans, so he's writing to those who are in Rome. And as he's writing this, he, um, I, I wonder to myself if he's thinking about his life. You know, we we tend to do that sometimes, and and sometimes as you're thinking about life, you're thinking. You know, maybe about the decisions you're making. Did I just book the right flight? You know, you're, maybe you're thinking about the decisions, you know, did I, did I get off at the right place? You know, maybe you're thinking about your decisions, uh, when am I going to retire? <clears throat> well, I got two more years, you know, and then I can retire. Or, or, or maybe you're thinking about decisions, you know, uh, uh, you got bills to pay and, and you only got a certain amount of money to pay them all. Maybe you're thinking about decisions about actually stepping up in life and buying a Ford and getting rid of the old Chev, you know. Maybe you're thinking about decisions about a career change, you know, and and you've been at a certain job for a long time and you're about to launch into something new and something you've never done before. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking about decisions of whether or not you should go tap some maple trees. Is this the time, you know, as the season comes around again? But I was thinking of what Paul was thinking as he was writing this, <clears throat> because he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, now why would he why would he want to say, I am not ashamed? Maybe there was there was some reason that he was thinking, maybe <clears throat> maybe some were saying, Aren't you ashamed to be preaching that gospel? You know, that was the same gospel that you were trying to destroy. Aren't you ashamed that 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 people now kind of see that, that you're flip-flopping here and, and you've and you and at one time, you know, you were kind of mocking them and you were putting them in prison and you were killing them, and, and now you've you've turned right around, and that's all you ever talk about. <clears throat> But he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of a cool phrase. I am not ashamed. What would make you ashamed anyway? What, what, well, maybe, maybe, <clears throat> maybe in life something might happen and, and it would cause you great shame. And every time you think of it, you think, you know, there's, there's great shame in that because, because you did something wrong or, or, or shame usually comes from doing something wrong, I think. Or, uh, or maybe, maybe you're caught, you know, at, uh, I don't know, you, you can fill in the blanks of whatever. <clears throat> but maybe something happened that, that, that kind of suggests to you shame. But, but Paul says here that he says, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Others might be ashamed of the gospel. Others might be ashamed of the gospel because of what they said and maybe their testimony didn't line up or something like that. But he goes on and he says, because it is power. It is the power of God unto salvation. In other words, he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I've proved it out. And, and what God says here, the good new- gospel, of course, means good news. He says, the good news, the gospel of what God says, actually, I found to be true. So how could I be ashamed of truth? So I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news because I found that that whatever God says is true. It is the power of God unto salvation. That's quite a statement. So... Let's, let's kind of hold that thought for a minute because Paul also writes Corinthians. Did he not write Corinthians? Yeah, there it is, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now he's writing to the church at Corinth. So the same Paul who said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed because I found that the good news of Jesus Christ actually proves to be true over here. And the more that I test the gospel, the more truth I find in my experience. That's kind of what he's saying. So this same Paul now is writing to the Corinthians. And he says, verse 16 of chapter 5 of Second Corinthians says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. <clears throat> That's true. Do we regard anyone from a worldly point of view? What does that even mean? He goes on, verse 17. Let's look there for a minute, then we'll come back to that. <clears> he <throat> says, therefore, and therefore is the connection from, to the last statement, you know, that we don't regard everyone from a worldly point of view because he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she, is a new creation. Whoever is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old, what does it say? The old has gone, the new has come. Now there's, that's, that's, see that kind of relates to 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 Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the good news. Because the good news is. That that somehow I am in Christ. I'm going to tell you how shortly. Somehow I am in Christ. The gospel is about my salvation. The gospel is about me being in Christ. And my experience is. All things have become new. The old has passed away so what's the old well we know I mean we say you know the old is the old way of life the old sins the old guilt the old penalty the old stuff the old way of talking the old way of acting the old way of living the old way of thinking the old way of attitudes the old way of gossiping all the old is passed away behold all things become oh you've read that already therefore if anyone is in Christ he is or she is a new creation the old is gone the new has come now it it says here all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ <clears throat> why would God do that? Why, why, why would well, we, we know? I mean, you know the Bible, and it says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. So <clears throat> God did this because He loves us, loves you, loves the world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us in our lostness. But it says here, it says, uh, <clears throat> all this is from God, that God is the author of this whole business of reconciliation. <clears throat> you are not. That's strange. this, not does strange? This doesn't really depend on you. This didn't originate from you. You are not the author of this reconciliation. God is the author of this reconciliation. All this originated from God. So I had to ask myself, well, what, is, what does it mean to be reconciled? Have you ever been reconciled to somebody? What does that even mean? I looked it up. I have it here in my phone. On the dictionary, let me punch in a thousand digit code. It says, reconciliation is the end of the estrangement caused by original sin between God and humanity. God is the author, Christ is the agent, and we are the ambassadors. Reconciliation refers to the results of atonement. If we're reconciling, and say, say Walter and I, we've been at odds for a little while, which probably would be impossible because I can't get a rise out of him even if I try. But let's, say, let's pretend that we're, we're at odds. And, and, and maybe, maybe we're at odds for years over something little that we did as kids. And, and finally, one day, uh, Walter's mother comes by and she says, you know what, boys, you settled, sat down here at the kitchen table. I'm going to put some wood in this fire and I'm going to cook you out of here until you are reconciled. <clears throat> and reconciliation means that where once there was tension and division, now it's over and there's friendship and there's communication. Both of those things. That's reconciliation. And so here, the, the writer of, uh, of, it's Paul, of 2 Corinthians says, he says, first of all, therefore, anyone, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and all this is from God. And it is God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. <clears throat> who you were is not who you are. If you want to change who you were, then move toward the center with God and he'll make all things new. But, it, but, but I got to ask you the question because I know most of you and I know that so, so after all these years of being reconciled to God, what does that even mean now for you? Well, we say, well, that means I I live in peace and I live in joy. I live in the presence of God. It means that I have the fullness of the spirit within. You know, and we can use a a whole lot of terms like that of what it means now to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul here says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you are reconciled. And then God has given you, he said, okay, you have graduated. <clears throat> I have, uh, I have I've prepared the way. I've done all of this. So now I'm going to give you the ministry of reconciliation. Did I get that right? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of Reconciliation. Who did you reconcile this week? Uh, See, I just came from this conference that just drove drove me right around the bend. (coughs) And I know, careful, I heard that. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) We should probably pray about now. (laughs) and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh boy, I'm preaching that myself this morning. Wow, I don't know where to go now. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, okay. You know I have a problem with a filter, right? Well, it bothered me all week long. Uh, So, um, hypothetically, I know someone who uh who was who was convincing me that i that that we need to have a conversation every week every day every 24 hours about Jesus Christ with someone now have you have you tried doing that you know we 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 live in kind of a small world so it i mean we we could probably do that and and we most of our friends you know we could we could have that conversation so I was on the plane coming out of New York City and uh, flying into Toronto to meet Ruth on Valentine's Day. And and, uh, um, and I sat beside this this young lady, um, very polite, very nice, very um, well-spoken, in the middle of a career change, and and we started talking about God. And, um, and, And I was interested in what she wanted to say. And I thought, well, I I know what, you know, the friend of mine had just said about talking to somebody every 24 hours about God. So I started. It was was kind and it was nice. It wasn't abrasive. And come to find out that she was a believer. But not in Christianity. And, um... You know, and, and I, I, let, I let her talk. And um, the more that I talked, the more that I understood where this was going to go. <clears throat> but I, I thought of this passage that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, it turns out that she was Islamic. I knew that because of the garb that she was wearing, but she was a very nice young lady. And um, we talked about Jesus, we talked about Muhammad, talked about God, talked about Allah, talked about it all, and and I, was, and I am sincerely interested in this, and, and I am going to read the Koran. And, um, and I told her I would send her a New Testament, and she promised that she would read the New Testament as well. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, as, as we were talking, the world needs reconciliation. Doesn't need arguments. And now, you know, I I could have argued from my background and I could have argued and and pushed really, really hard. But I thought, is that reconciliation if I argue? Reconciliation deals with gentleness. It deals with listening. It deals with hearing. Not just speaking. Reconciliation deals with um, maybe sometimes thinking someone else might have a point too, but reconciliation also deals with knowing what is truth, what isn't truth, but not being self-righteous in how that's spoken. And so I've, I've I've been thinking of it, and I've been thinking of it a lot, and. And uh, <clears throat> um, as she spoke, uh, she's very well-spoken. Uh, she mentioned a lot, and I, and I asked a lot of questions about what is, what is the Islamic faith all about? And She told me all, everything and, and how to become a believer and, and all that. We could have had an altar call right there. <clears throat> and then as I was thinking of, of what went on there, I thought, I thought the difference there is is that of course in the Islamic faith, uh, Jesus, they believe in Jesus Christ. They believe he was an influential person. They believe he was a prophet. And, um, and I've been thinking about it as I've been praying for her every day since then. And I thought to myself, I thought, but, but we believe Jesus is the son of God. We believe that, uh, that he was part of the triune Godhead, which is the Trinity, that he came to earth as a virgin and that he was born as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world to take our sins away. We believe that his blood makes the difference in our salvation. That is the power of God. We, we sang about there's power in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It's not the ministry of the argumentative. It's not the ministry of putting everyone else down. It is the ministry of reconciliation. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whosoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. That is the ministry of reconciliation. That's the message of reconciliation. He goes on and he says that, that God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So there is the ministry of reconciliation. Then there is the message of reconciliation. And <clears throat> we say, we say, well, you know, I I I would like to be about, about the business of reconciliation, but I, I don't know what the message is. Well, what do you know? Well, what is your experience? Let me ask you that. If I were to ask you for a testimony, I know I could count on Marion, so I'm gonna look right at you, Marion, while I say this. No, I'm not, not gonna do that. But but if I were to ask you for your testimony, what is what is your testimony of your experience with God? You would say, "Well, your testimony is this and it's that and it's this and that." You know, your testimony is somewhere, someplace, somehow. You ask God into your life. That's your testimony. Maybe it's at the kitchen table. Maybe it was at the altar in a, in a church someplace. Maybe it was in your pew where you sat. Maybe it was at home. Maybe it at work. Maybe it was in your car. Maybe you're listening to uh, somebody on the radio or something on TV. Maybe, but, but somewhere you have a testimony. God did something in you. You knew it. You felt it. It was definite. It was that day. And that's your beginning point in the message of reconciliation. You begin and you say, this is what happened to me. Now God has sent me to you, because he goes on and he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? <clears throat> Have you ever been in trouble? Well, I'm not going to tell you about when I was in trouble. But I did know somebody who was in trouble. I, uh, I met this, this fellow, and I've, I've, I've mentioned him before. I, I, I knew his name at one time, but I didn't know him that well, other than I found him sleeping on the street. And he was sleeping on the street in front of the Canadian embassy. And in, it was in Havana. <clears throat> and, um, and when I went in and asked the ambassador what the deal was with so-and-so out in the street, he said, well, he's been here for almost a year now. Because they took his passport because he was involved in, a, in an accident and um, did something he shouldn't have done. And he came over a hill, and he had been drinking, and he, there's, as you know, in Cuba, they don't have lights, half the cars, this one car had his tire had fallen off the the car, and so it was sitting right in the middle of the road on a blind hill, and he come flying over this hill right at the back of this car, and and kind of smashed everything up, and put everybody in the hospital, And, and so they took his passport, and he was out there sitting, just laying on the street, just had no money. Uh, he had used up all the money he had his, his, he had nobody at home that was helping him he had no place to live nothing to eat and there he was he was this lost little bit of human wreckage on the landscape of humanity in Havana hardly spoke the language what would you do well, he thought to himself I'm going to go to the ambassador I'm Canadian that territory that's fenced off there in the, <clears throat> that section of Havana <clears throat> that's Canadian soil if I can get on that, they're going to feed me. They're going to look after me. They're going to help me. They're going to help me to get home. Well, that, that ambassador said there's nothing we can do because they broke the law. You know, and if you break the law in Cuba, you're going to pay Cuban justice. <clears throat> but you see, it's not that way with God. This is the beauty of it. You now are an ambassador of Christ. And you now find someone hungry on the side of the road, you have the ability to feed them. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and I was in prison, and you came, and you visited me. See, that's being an ambassador of Jesus Christ, doing the ministry of reconciliation. Did they break the law? You know, what, you know, we don't ask the question, you know, uh, 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 friend, what are you doing there on the street? Why are you there? How have you got no money? Why are you living in rags? You know, what's going on? How have you got no place to sleep? You know, well, you know, you should have known better. You know, thanks very much. We'll see you later. You know, that's kind of what they did, that, that poor chap. But that's not what the Christian does in the ministry of reconciliation. In the ministry of reconciliation, we go up and we, and it's like the good Samaritan. We bind their wounds and we pick them up. We take them to the hospital. We <clears throat> feed them and we clothe them and we visit them and we come back and say, "Are you doing okay?" Because that's what God did for us. He's the author of our reconciliation. And he's put into your hands. He said, he said you know what? I'm going to make everything new in your life. The old, all that was, and all that hate, and all that anger, all that bitterness, all that selfishness, that's all going away. We're going to shovel that stuff out in the manure pile. And we're putting in fresh hay, fresh straw, and fresh food. It's all going to be new. And I'm giving you the ministry to carry this on. This ministry of reconciliation. <clears throat> we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then we come down to this most disturbing last little piece. God, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, we know that Jesus died on the cross, right? We we, we know that. We've read that for years and years, and we have a strong idea what that is. But here it says that God made him who had no sin to be sin, I don't, I don't think we understand how bad sin actually is. We, f- we flirt with it a lot. My soul, we do, don't we? we? We skirt the issues, live in the gray areas. I remember living next door here, and um, do you remember uh, remember the days of the septic tank? Remember that? You know where I'm going. It was just it was a stone tank, right? And my right was stone. That's what I remember. And I remember that kept falling in for some reason. I don't know why. You remember that Delbert? It kept kind of collapsing the roof. I remember that there was these big posts cuz I was out there one day and there's a big hole in the ground. And that and this the doorway to the septic tank had kind of got lost someplace and, and there it was. And and I remember <clears throat> Dave uh, my friend Dave talking to me about it, you know, cuz you know, he had the job one time with, uh, with um, Orland to, um, to clean it out. But it was with a bucket, right? So there wasn't a was and that kind of stuff. So it was a bucket and a big tank at the back of the truck. And, and poor old Dave, he was there and he was, you know, like that. And, and he, he was trying to get it all. And, and then um, one of them made the mistake of getting too close. And over they went. Up to their waist. In the waist and uh, Dave was kind of laughing about it as, as he told me the story, you know, because I guess it wasn't him. And he uh, <clears throat> said he got home there, and, uh, and somebody had to get a hose, and, and there were choice words happening all over the place and spraying all of this stuff off, you know, and, and talking about that. But I've often, I've often thought of that in the relationship of sin, of the, of the absolute terrible odor of, before God, sin. And, and we, <clears throat> you know, we skirt that issue. And, and we say, well, you know, sin is this and sin is that, some, sin is something else. But here it says, it says, it's very clear. It says, God made him who had no sin, God made him who <clears throat> lived in, in, in the throne room with, with the Father. who was was unbelievably righteous, who looked into the eyes of the woman caught with with adultery with with such purity and such clarity that when she looked in his eyes, he said, do you see anybody here who's condemning you? And she said, I don't see anybody. But but then as we get close to the end of Jesus' ministry, he's in Gethsemane and, and he's sweating blood because of the awfulness of sin that he is about. To to take on himself for us. The trauma, the agony. And he goes to his disciples and he and he says, Can, can you not you know, wake up and and I need you to pray with me. I need somebody to that you just you three, you know, Peter, James, and John, you come a little farther into the into the garden. I need you to pray with me. This is more than I, the Son of God, can bear. He who had no sin was made to be sin for us so that we could become the ambassadors of God in reconciliation of the world. Man. Have you spoken with anybody about reconciliation? That's our response, isn't it? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we just don't know how. Not that we don't want to. We just don't know how. So I'm going to challenge you. Just begin where you're at. Say, well, Mark, you don't actually know where I'm at today. I'm feeling pretty bad. Begin where you're at. Because you know that it's not fake. This gospel that we believe, this good news is the power of God unto salvation, you know it's not fake. Yes, you have down days and you have up days. Begin where you're at. Well, I'm down today. Begin when you're down then. Say, you know what, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what, today I'm kind of down. But that's okay because God loves me anyway. And tomorrow he's going to pick me up and I'll be up. But you know what, whether I'm down or whether I'm up, I've got a hope and I've got a help and I've got a salvation in him. And he's changed my life. Yes, I'm down, but I used to be down a whole lot over here. And the more that you think about it, the more you think, hey, you know what? I'm not half as bad as I used to be because now I'm over here and, and God's it's working in my heart. Begin where you're at. <clears throat> go through Tim Hortons and say, God bless you. I'll tell you something else even more. Go through Tim Hortons and pay for the person in front of you. You know, you see the car going, and as you're coming up, say, I'm going to pay for all the cars until I get there. Then you better pay for it too. Begin just where you're at. For God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the message of reconciliation, and it's so important to him that we do this, that he made his own son to be sin for us, to put us in this place. That's an important piece of information right there. Well, <clears throat> I know that um, God is alive and active in your life. I know that he's done things for you, in you. I know that he will this week. So as we, as we pray I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to ask God's blessing on you, and I'm going to ask him that he's going to give you all kinds of opportunities, more than you're going to be comfortable with. But capitalize on them all. And let's work the work of reconciliation with the Father. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful, Lord, today for the opportunities that we have Day by day to know your presence and Lord, to know your goodness and Lord, to know your mercy, Lord, to know your grace. <clears throat> Father, it boggles our minds that you, that you put so much sin on your son. Who had no sin, so that we could be adopted into your family, that that all the, the sewage of life could be washed off and out of our lives and out of our minds and out of our spirits. <clears throat> but Father, it's not just for us. Lord, we, we find that there is a whole world that's that's lost in in fractured relationships with you and with each other. And Father, help us, Lord, that we can be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. That, Father, that the, that the message of reconciliation would, would spring from our mouths. And, Lord, that the world would change even before our eyes. And, Father, I, I pray this blessing on these who are here today in the name of jesus christ and i ask father that your holy spirit father throughout this week lord wherever they go whoever they talk to that lord that there would be opportunities they would see to enact this ministry of reconciliation father that they would enact the ambassadorship of the kingdom of God in the world today. Not in arguments, not in bickering, not in fighting, but in love, in mercy, in forgiveness, in strength, in listening. Lord, we know that none of us are perfect. But Father, we wanna be perfectly in the center of your will. Lord, we know that none of us are, are, are perfect in the sense of, of that we don't ever make a mistake. But, Father, even when we do, we know that you lift us up and you brush us off and you say, keep going. And, Father, you, you, we know, Lord, that, that when we stumble sometimes, that, Father, still you lift us up and you hug us close to you. And you still call us your son, your daughter, your beloved. And Father, wherever they are today, these folks who are gathered here, whether here or at home or or listening throughout this week, I'm asking, Father, in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit just grants to them such a a sense of vitality in this ministry of reconciliation, in this ministry of love, in this ministry of power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. That, Father, hardly a day would go by when we wouldn't have the the absolute privilege of speaking with someone about reconciliation with you so father I pray this blessing and this prayer on these who are here as we sing this last song I pray father that your Holy Spirit would guide us and lead us and father perhaps there's some here Lord who who need to be reconciled to you Perhaps, Father, there's some here that the relationship with you is fractured and, Father, they're alone and afraid and lost. We've all been there. But Holy Spirit, help them to find their way home. Holy Spirit, help us, maybe even as we pray with each other, so that they don't remain laying in the street in front of the embassy and no one helps them. As people goes by on the street, Lord, in front of the embassy of your church, might it be a place where there is help. Might it be a place where there's strength. Might it be a place where there is reconciliation and freedom. Bless your ambassadors, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Let's stand together while we sing. this morning as we go from this place and carry on throughout the day. Father, I do ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit guide us and lead us. Father, I'm fearful sometimes that when we get to the end, we will have wished we had done so much more. But Lord, in this challenge as an ambassador of Christ, in this ministry of reconciliation, in this message of reconciliation that, Lord Jesus, you love the world so much, you gave yourself, you took our sins all of, the st- all of the stink of sin, all of, the, all of the mire and ugliness of it on yourself. To set your people free. To create a new people. That all the old is gone. That we are free of that. And all the new and exciting is before us in the name of Jesus Christ. In the power of the gospel. Father, help us to live our lives with no regrets. For we are made free in your blood, Lord Jesus. And Father, I just ask, Lord, your blessing on these folks. And I'm asking, Father, that the freedom would drip out of every bit of their conversation. That, Father, that your glory would move out of every pore of their body. That, Father, as they walk down a sidewalk, it would just shine with your glory because they pass by. That, Father, that the new in Christ would so manifest in their lives, people would wonder what's going on. Father, help us to be reconcilers. Help us, Father, with the ministry of reconciliation and the message that's in our mouths of 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 new life in you. Lord, bless these folks. These are great folks. Lord, lead us as we go to our homes in peace and safety. Draw us again, Father, on another day that we could worship you. Father, draw us again tonight. We can worship you and, Lord, hear from your word. But, Father, I pray, Lord, your blessing upon each one. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.